Hey guys, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jayla. We would like to welcome you to the Sustaining Life podcast. A lot of people have questions about the situations they face and the struggles that come with them. There are those who think the Bible does not provide modern day solutions to our crazy lives. There are those who think the Bible isn't relevant to this day and age. Anxiety, depression, hurt, bitterness, and suffering. The Bible really does have answers and hope for all of these things. Let's Let's dive dive in. in. Hey guys, and welcome back to Sustaining Life Podcast. We're so excited today to have a new episode, a new series for you. And we're going to be talking about condemnation. And uh, we have Pastor Rima Duncan with us. And uh, Brother Rima, if you just talk a little bit about yourself, we'll, we'll go we'll go start there. Hey, God bless everybody. Thank you for having me on this uh, podcast. And uh, I'm excited to be able to address uh, this topic um, in this segment of your series. And I am a, a pastor in Chicago, Illinois, a pastor of Greater Life. And uh, we are a brand new ministry here, uh, began last year, June uh, 2019. So uh, had to uh, weather through uh, a pandemic in, <laughs> within the first year of our existence as a ministry here in Chicago. But we span uh, into other places as well. We've got uh, uh, members and congregants that are in other states because we've been forced to go virtual. So that's yeah. a pretty good thing. But um, yeah, I grew up born and raised in uh, Brooklyn, New York. And the uh, Lord directed my steps to move to Chicago, met my wife here. We got married and uh, stayed and based our ministry from here and um, been uh, traveling uh, for the better of seven years as a traveling minister and evangelist. Then the Lord led us to do this uh, and base out of uh, the inner city of Chicago. And uh, I'm thankful to be able to uh, share with you, contribute to uh, whatever we can uh address on on this episode and thank you brendan for having me on absolutely well thank you for joining um yeah you mentioned you know within the first year you're dealing with the pandemic just i know it's a little off topic but uh what are some things that you guys are doing to kind of i guess work around the pandemic issues you know uh it's it's very tough to say um what we do to work around the pandemic because there's no getting around it. It's in your face, yeah. right? Yeah. It's all around and it's, it's affecting everything uh, as far as our uh, normal, uh, and I say that loosely, normal social structure. <laughs> and uh, so we don't work around it. We work through it. Yeah. And uh, we, we comply with the uh, things that our elected officials have asked us to do. And so um, since uh, March of 2020, we've been virtual and uh, at times we'll get together for some fellowship events and uh, some prayer events in small groups. And so that's how we've pivoted uh, during this time. And God has definitely blessed uh, what we're doing. We've, ha- we've had uh, uh, several baptisms since the pandemic. Awesome. And, uh, and within, the, uh, within the, that first year uh, of our existence, we haven't had any baptisms. We've had people that were uh, impacted by the Holy Ghost and, uh, and experiencing speaking in tongues for the very first time, but we hadn't had any water baptisms until uh, July of 2020. And since then, we've uh, had three and got one pending. And so the Lord has opened that up for us that people are 
um, taking giant steps in their walk with God in the middle of a public health emergency. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, uh, anything is possible. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, that's really exciting to hear. Um, everybody keep, continue to keep uh, the Duncans in your prayer and the church over there. God's doing a lot of great things. And as far as the topic goes, I want to get into that a little bit. Uh, condemnation. Uh, condemnation, I feel like, is, a, is something that you know we all struggle with. I don't think there's anyone that has not faced that battle mentally or emotionally. Um, and condemnation, to me, I think it's a, it's a very dangerous thing. And I think it's one of the, the devil's, uh, I'd say, slickest tactics uh, in my mind. You know, because I feel like with condemnation, um, as you know, the devil, he just tries to mimic everything God does. He can't do better. He can't change what God does. So he, he, he's going to try to provide another option um, that can mimic what, what God's doing. And if you had to kind of define uh, condemnation to you, what would you say it would be? Uh, to me, the, the term condemnation uh, speaks of uh, if, if someone is feeling condemnation and it's not imposed on, uh, on you, if you're feeling it, uh, it speaks to me as to um, worry of uh, past mistakes, regret, guilt, and um, just wishing you'd had re uh, had the opportunity to redo some things in in your life and uh then there's the aspect of feeling that con condemnation being imposed on you and then that would speak of uh judgment and and criticism and things of that nature absolutely yeah um you know one of the stories i like to go to uh with condemnation is uh actually right at the beginning of the bible with Adam and Eve. And I think most, most people know about Adam and Eve. They know what they did and they ate the free, forbidden fruit. But there's a few verses in there that I, I really like to specify and look at because they said when they, when they ate the forbidden fruit, uh, God called out to him and says, Adam, where art thou? Adam, where are you at? And he's, he's trying to talk to Adam to get it from himself, to confront Adam and say, okay, I'm going to give you a chance to fess up here. I'm going to give you a chance to tell me what happened. And it says in the Bible that Adam and Eve, they, they fled and they ran away. And then this part that really sticks out to me, that I guess that really, uh, I guess, touches my heart, is it says that they were afraid of the presence of God. You know, before this, you know, they would walk with God. Before this, they would spend time with the God in the, gar God in the garden. Um, but after they ate the fruit, they were, they were afraid to be in the presence of God. And the reason it touches my heart is because I feel like there's so many people that when they try to go to a church or a Bible study or any sort of, um, I guess, religious type of event, um, they get afraid. They get afraid of the presence of God and they can feel pain. And it touches my heart because, you know, the presence of God is, uh, you know, the last place that we should have to worry about having pain and we shouldn't have to worry about being hurt or any of those things. But they were under con condemnation and they were beating themselves up. And it got to the point where Adam's like, okay, well, God's what happened? And Adam, he blamed his wife. He said, well, this Eve gave this to me. And he's and basically how I interpret that is he's blaming God. Well, you gave me this wife, you know, um, I shouldn't have to worry about this because she did it and you did it. And I want to talk a little bit about, you know, condemnation in terms of 
how it affects us, how it prevents us from moving forward, and then maybe some tools that we can do and use to, to kind of get out of that. Um, with condemnation, I know even at a church service or even at a Bible study, um, when somebody's speaking the word of God, it can sound like condemnation if we're under it, if we're feeling that, if we're being tricked by the devil. Um, do you have any experiences with condemnation as far as somebody dealing with it that maybe you've had to walk through condemnation with them or try to minister to them out of that situation? Um, I've dealt with condemnation on, bo on, on both fronts, whether uh, trying to help someone through it and experiencing it myself. And um, I think everyone that has a journey uh, with their walk with Christ and trying to get closer to him will we'll experience a measure of condemnation. And uh, it, sometimes it comes in the form of what we would call conviction. Yeah. You feel you feel that godly sorrow that leads you to repentance. Uh, but if it doesn't lead you to repentance and it just leads you to, you know, uh, grudging of uh, things that you wish you didn't do, um, that uh, that is a measure of condemnation. And I don't believe condemnation is necessarily of God. Conviction is. Yeah. Uh, condemnation is not of God. And you referenced uh, Adam and Eve there and uh, the, the excuses that come up when we know that we did something that we weren't supposed to do. And I think there's just this awkward, like, uh, feeling that overwhelms us and we are so uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. in that place. So that's kind of what I see Adam and Eve having to deal with that awkwardness of coming to grips, not necessarily facing God, but when God's presence showed up, they had to face themselves. Yeah. They had to face themselves and, and uh, identify what was wrong and 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 actually confess that and say that to God. Yeah. And it's hard enough when you know you did something wrong, but having to actually talk about it and talk through it with someone, leaving yourself vulnerable, yeah, to process the fact that you messed up and now someone else is looking at you in a messed up state. Yep. <laughs> that's tough. Yeah, it is. That's tough. And uh, personally, um, I believe that uh, if you know how to just obey God, because sometimes God will lead you to share some things with people uh, in order so that a healing can take place. The Bible uh, tells us, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, uh, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And so sometimes when uh, God sends us spiritual people to uh, help us through some things and some people that we can confide in, uh, that initial discussion and dialogue is very awkward, yeah. very uncomfortable, but it's healthy because confession is good for the soul. And confession, really, it's like, it's like a, a wound that is uh, built up in a certain area. And, you know, the doctor, in order to um, remedy that, that wound, he has to uh, 
puncture it and release some things out of it. And yeah. that, that's what happens when we begin to confess instead of dwelling in condemnation. When we begin to confess, there's a release there. It, I'm not carrying that burden on myself anymore. But now uh, I've laid it at the feet of Jesus. I've submitted it to the ears of someone that God trusted for me to talk to. And, and those sins um, aren't just covered, but now I'm released yeah. from those things. And th there's a measure of release that comes that doesn't bind you to the memory yeah. of what you did. And so I think that's very powerful that uh, condemnation and conviction uh, should lead you to confession. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's a, you know, there's this natural part in, in humanity um, that, you know, there, there's that fine line between, okay, I'm going to go to a place of conviction and releasing of myself, that vulnerability. But a lot of times I feel like we, we fall short of that and we, we miss the mark. We, we get close to it. Uh, we start defending ourselves and we start saying all the things about they did this, they did that, they said this, they, they hurt me. Um, it's their fault, those kind of things. And we get to the point where like, oh, we're always trying to defend it. And we feel justified in it. We feel righteous in it because, of course, they messed up. They did this. And, you know, we, we say, it's like when you, get, um, when you get in a discussion or argument with a loved one. And they're saying these things and they're, they're defending. They're giving you bullet point answers. But then they're not telling you exactly how they're feeling. You know what I mean? They're, they're giving the, the reasons and they're giving you a description of what happened. But they're not telling you, I'm really hurt because of this. And they haven't released, like you said, that vulnerability that says, well, here's what's really going on, and this is how we address it. Because if we go to God and we actually go to him and tell him what's going on, rather than just, I guess, for lack of a better term, complaining or lack of a better term, um, you know, just, just going through the motions of what happened, um, I think there's an element of pride in there. You know, when we go to God and we're trying to use all these different reasons Instead of just telling them, hey, I'm weak, I'm broken, I'm really hurt, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to resolve this, but I need your help, God. I need your help, pastor or friend or youth leader or whatever. Um, you know, what would you say if you had to look at a couple of reasons? How would you, how would you approach that, that fine line between somebody that's trying to resolve it with, um, with explanation versus confession versus repentance? You get what I'm saying there? Absolutely. And the first thing that we've been, we've been trained like this uh, as kids, man, it's a, yeah. and it's not inherent. It's a, it's a learned behavior. Right. Right. But you know, we, we're going to try to come up with an excuse. <laughs> yep. This is why, this is why this happened. And uh, when we, when we actually admit that we, that we're the ones, you know, thou art the man. Yep. You know, when we, when we actually admit that we're the ones, then, well, it happened because, you know, I, I broke that uh, flower vase only because something else. Yeah. And there you have what you explain, you know, the, the explanations and, and it really it's, it's excuses to, you know, help ease the tension and the pressure of accepting fault yeah. and condemnation. And so we try to release it ourselves. We, that release I was talking about, mm -hmm. we try to uh, 
produce that release ourselves by uh, coming up with uh, excuses. And there, there is a fine line because um, one leads to pride and the other leads to humility. Right. Yeah. You know, confession leads to humility. Explanation and excuses leads to pride. Yeah. Because you're preserving self, right? Mm-hmm. You're preserving, you know, your, your image, you're preserving, you know, um, you're, you're preserving uh, what people view of you and how people think of you. And uh, that only builds self and self-confidence and right. you know, uh, self, self-preservation is what it is. But uh, godly sorrow does not lead to self-preservation. Mm-hmm. Godly sorrow leads to repentance and humility, humbling yourself to the fact that you are not perfect. Yeah. And I made this mistake because I made this mistake. Right. Yeah. I didn't make this mistake because the devil made me do it. I didn't make this mistake because somebody else uh, influenced me or, or challenged me or, or, uh, you know, peer pressured me into doing something. I had to say, yes, I had to go along and I had to come into agreement with whatever I, uh, I, I did. And so, uh, we have to make sure that we are choosing the path of humility and, and, and not trying to preserve ourselves. because if we try to save our lives, we're going to lose it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I if we're willing you. to go on the chopping block and say, Hey, I'm going to just throw myself on the altar. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I did it. It's me, you know, I, you know, whatever. And, and, we're not trying to save ourselves. God is now put in the place in his proper place to save us and to clean us up and to edify us again and to make us whole from whatever is in our past. I don't believe that anybody's past should haunt them, Mm -hmm. but it tends to when we didn't process it properly. Right. And so making up excuses and trying to explain your way out of why something happened or why you actually committed a certain action, uh, it would, it would lead to own only a place that would induce more of those actions that you were regretting in the first place, because yeah. it, you, it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. So if you do it again, it's not your fault. Yeah, yeah. And then if you make another mistake, it's not my fault. Yeah. But when it's my fault, you know, uh, was that saying? Fool me, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Well, uh, I made that mistake, yeah, and I submitted to the fact that it was my fault. I made the mistake. Now the next time I make that same mistake, it, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the one that looks dumb. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You know, well, I think so. it's, I feel like a lot of times uh, I'm gonna combine two things here. But I, as you're talking, I thought of two things. The first thing I thought of was, you know, we kind of have spiritual PTSD, I think, sometimes. Oh, yeah. You know, when we, Good way when we, to put it. When we're going through life, and when somebody has PTSD, you know, there's two, two usually two avenues of, of how they feel it. Uh, versus the mental part, where they have to look back and say, okay, how do I logically move on from this? 
And when someone goes through a trauma or when somebody sins, they can look back and say, okay, this is what I need to do. All right, well, I've changed this. Now I, now I can do better. And they just change their actions. They live day to day to day. But every once in a while, something creeps up, creeps up in their heart where there's a trigger and something mm-hmm. just flips a switch. And all of a sudden, they get angry. All of a sudden, they get bitter. All of a sudden, they, they, they're immediately led back to that place from three years ago that they thought they were past. And they think in their mind, I've forgiven that person or I'm not doing that thing anymore. When in reality, and I love, I bring it up because I love what you said, because uh, you said something to the extent of they still haven't processed it. They still haven't dealt with it. Because anytime we go through a situation, anytime we deal with something or do something, it's a mental and it's emotional, but it's also spiritual. Yes, sir. You you can't just think and decide, okay, I'm going to be better now. You have to deal with whatever was put in your heart. And if it's put in your heart, there's a spiritual ramification that you're going to be affected. Mm-hmm. And the Bible talks about in Romans chapter 12, uh, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves, your bodies, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable, which is a reasonable service. It goes on to say, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And if we would renew our minds daily, it would change our focus daily. And Amen. we would focus on those things that, you know, we struggle with and we deal with. And uh, like you said, with the fool me once, fool me twice analogy, temptation, um, you know, the devil doesn't make us do it. Uh, we can be tempted one time and we can, at the first time I, I would say, yeah, we can say, I didn't know any better. It's still sin, but I didn't know that I was as vulnerable in that spot as mm. I was actually vulnerable. But then at that point, we had to look at that issue and say, okay, I was vulnerable there. Let me fix it. But if we don't fix it, if we don't cover it up, then it's our fault. <laughs> then we're just right. walking right into that temptation and that's all on us. And we can no longer say the devil made me do it. We can no longer say my personality made me do it. No, I was just being lazy or I was, I didn't put the work in to cover up that vulnerability, that wall that was, should have been there. That's good, man. It's like, that's uh, good. it's like in Proverbs to talk about somebody who, a man who has no control over his own spirit. It's like a city that has no walls. Anything goes in and anything goes out. And if I don't fortify those walls, not just in prayer, but in practical boundaries and convictions, I got nothing to fight back with. Right. I got nothing to, to, to protect my mind. I think, of, uh, I think of cows when they're on the pasture. And anytime the, the farmer's trying to take care of those cows, they put up those fences because those cows are, they're, they're, that's their moneymaker. That's how they get money. But if they have no fence, then that cow is going to go and they won't have any money. And I, I, can, I think of it in the same way as far as convictions. I can have a conviction in my heart to stay faithful to God or stay faithful to my wife or stay faithful to, you know, whatever. But if I don't put those boundaries there and convictions to make sure I do stay faithful, then all that's going to be hit as attacked is, is my conviction with no protection. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I, sorry to cut you off, no, but you're you're something good. just popped into my mind as you're talking. It's, it's kind of like, when an aircraft or, or or a watercraft, so a ship or something like that, and people are in an environment that the extenuating um, elements uh, can be harmful if it gets in. Yeah. And so uh, you have to have something that gauges the integrity. Mm-hmm. Yep. Of the vessel. And uh, I think, I think when we identify the vulnerabilities and the areas and open doors 
and things that we left unchecked that we realize, oh, this is how this happened. Those are areas of weak integrity yeah. in our lives. It's not that we don't have integrity. This area has a, has a, a weakness of integrity. Mm-hmm. And now we have to fortify that. We have to, uh, as you said, cover it. And um, if, if it goes unchecked, then we can expect that weakness to still be there. Right. And we don't have an excuse because we never addressed the identified areas where uh, there was openings. I, I, I'm in the middle of a series right now with our, with our ministry called Witchcraft in the Church. And uh, sorry to get this shameless plug, but uh, oh my my, the last uh, message and teaching that uh, I talked about was uh, closing spiritual portals in our lives. Mm-hmm. doors of opening where the enemy can introduce things into our world, into our family, into our thought life. Yeah. And so we have to identify those things. Yes. You know, if a man falls, if a man sins, you know, uh, we have an advocate with the father, but after you repent, you need to say, okay, how in the world did that happen? Yeah. I'm going to identify it and I'm going to rectify that, a uh, uh, weak spot, that spot that needs to be fortified or it has low integrity. I, I have integrity, but this area of my life is weakened in its integrity, mm-hmm. strength. Yeah, yeah. It's verity. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, when I look at condemnation and, you know, I always, I'm always really interested in the birthing place and like the intention, the motives of different words and different things we do. And what comes to my mind when I think of condemnation versus like conviction, for example, you know, if you look at the motives behind it, condemnation is persecution, right? It, it's, it's to punish. It's meant to push down, put the pressure in, and I, you know, identify for them rather than them being able to identify for themselves. And with conviction, you know, I, I think the motive behind conviction, as we know in the Bible, it's meant to restore, right? It's meant to, to bring someone back to a place where they can be clean and they can be, have victory in their life. And if you look at those two things, you, 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 can, you can pretty quickly learn where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you're in the house of God and you're hearing preaching and you're just hearing pain and you're feeling pain as the person's preaching, you can know that that's not from God. God's not there to hurt you. You know, mm-hmm. if you're if you're reading the word and you're feeling pain from the scriptures, you can know there's a vulnerability in that in, in the integrity, as you're saying. If you're in worship and there's songs going on and people are are worshiping around you, their hands are raised, they're clapping their hands, they're shouting to God, and they're having a wonderful experience in the house of God, but you can't seem to have a good experience with God. You can't seem to worship freely without feeling the pressure and the guilt and the shame. You gotta find somebody to talk to. First of all, God, God, of course, but if you're having struggles communicating or talking to God, reach out to a spiritual help in your life and say, okay, how do I, how do I get whatever I'm feeling? How do I get out of this? You know, you got to be able to distinguish the different voices that are coming through in your heart, because just as God speaks to us, the devil tries to speak to us. We have to know those different methods and how they speak. And then we can learn, okay, who's talking to me here? You know, what are they, what are they trying to do? And how, how, where, where am I trying to go with this? And if we can just focus on our word, like you said, stick in our word, we'll know what we're supposed to be integrity, have integrity with. Yes. We'll know the Bible says, okay, well, the Bible says I'm free and I'm forgiven. 
this condemnation keeps telling me I'm not. Well, the Bible says you are, so you, you have the ability to walk freely now. And if we can just separate the voices in our life, I think, you know, this condemnation battle that we fight would be a lot easier if we can learn, okay, where's this voice coming from? You know, where, 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 where is this coming from in my heart? Where's this coming from in my mind? I know yeah. in my life uh, as a teenager, you know, as, as we all do, we all, we all do dumb stuff. I did dumb stuff. And uh, for a couple of years, I was like, okay, I would beat myself up all the time. I, w- I would tell myself how, how wrong I was and how bad I was. And the times where I was, I would feel like really hurt in my life and had a lot of anger. A lot of those times, most of that anger came from myself because I was just so upset with myself. Brendan, how could you do that? You know what I mean? How, how could you decide to do that? How could you mess up there? But yeah. it wasn't until I, I could go to somebody and say, hey, you know what? I messed up. And they could help me with a new perspective. They would give me the word of God that says, okay, all things are made new. The mercies are fresh and new each and every morning. And you can, you can come back from that. You can, you can win that battle, you know? And I think of the story in, in Exodus where you have the Israelites getting freed from Egypt. But even when they were out of Egypt, they were still in slavery because they're in their mind. They thought, okay, I can't, I'd rather go back into captivity than deal with this. And they were stuck in the wilderness and they could not get themselves free in their mind. They could not get themselves to the place where they could think, okay, I can move on from this. And God has given me the ability to walk on from this. We get so stuck in our pride that we start thinking, I can't do this. And I won't do this because of this, 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 this. Mm. So, as we're trying to kind of narrow down this episode in this session here, what are, I, I would say, what are three things that you would focus on, uh, Pastor Rima, that would say, this is how I can break free of, of condemnation. These are things that I can fortify in my life that can help stabilize my mind spiritually. What are three things that you would suggest? Definitely keeping uh, the word of God in a daily routine in your life. Yeah. You want to make sure you're ingesting the word of God. Here's what I tell people. You know, uh, the Bible uh, refers to the word of God and parallels it to uh, food for our soul. Yeah. And uh, or, you know, a lot of times there's a mention of, you know, the bread of life and which is the word of God. And um, uh, man shall not live by bread alone, not just physical food, but by every word of God doth man live. Uh, that means that there's a physical way to feed ourselves and a spiritual way to feed ourselves. Yeah. And if you go without physical food, you know, you're starving yourself. Or if you intentionally do it, we call it fasting. Right. So think about that in spiritual terms. If your spirit and your soul is not fed, you're starving yourself. And just like it, it would have adverse effects on your physical body, if you starve your soul, it would have adverse effects on your soul. Yeah. And I don't want to be out here fasting my soul, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because we fast our body to strengthen the spirit. Yeah. But if you fast your spirit, you're strengthening your flesh. Right. So a lack of the word of the Lord in your life, uh, you can expect to be carnal. (laughs) You can expect to have thoughts. I mean, this is just things that you can, uh, it's going to be inevitable because you did not 
pinpoint that area and I'm going to strengthen this area. Yeah. I'm going to fortify the integrity of my thought life. So, and the way to do that is the word of God. So definitely getting the word of the Lord in, in you, but not just a written word, but also a breathed word in your life through the spirit of God, refreshing your spirit. You, and for those that are listening to this that have never experienced the baptism of the Holy spirit, it is the most wonderful thing that you could ever do. It is something that is for everybody. Uh, and you, you ought to experience that if you want to grow, excuse yeah. me, sorry, in God. If you want to grow in God and you have to uh, be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and it will be evidence with speaking with tongues as the spirit of God gives you the utterance and doing that and practicing that on a daily basis will help not just to fortify your thought life with the written word of God, but it also fortify your emotions. It'll yeah. fortify uh, uh, things that you say. It'll, it'll, it'll begin to point you in the right direction in your day. So, um, the breathed word and, and the written word of God helps to um, minimize the failures, minimize the missteps. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, the Bible says that when we worship God, we worship him in the spirit and in truth. And mm -hmm. uh, the Bible says that when David had defeated, de defeated Goliath, that he slew him with the sling and the stone. He used the rock. Uh, to defeat Goliath, but that's not the only thing he used. He also took the sword. Mm -hmm. So there was two elements that, uh, yes, I won with the rock. I won with the truth. I won with the, the word, but I need the spirit too. I need, yeah. I need the spirit of God and because in and of myself, my own efforts will not help me sustain victory in certain areas of my life. I'm not that strong. I'm not that good. I am a human being, and I have to edify both my human side and my spiritual side. Absolutely. Well, I, I think you made a great point there. Um, you know, I think most of the time when I've seen uh, somebody going through condemnation and they're battling with that, and, you know, usually when somebody's battling with condemnation, like, they, they care. They try. You know, they're putting their best foot forth. I'd say practically, <laughs> you know, with, it, with their mind, they're best put forward with, with their own heart and their own emotions. Um, but I think uh, when I think of condemnation, as far as remedies for it, I, I think of David. Um, because David messed up so many times. You know, we, we talk about David with a lot of really good things, and he, he praised and worshiped. He had a heart after God. He did a lot of really great things. He, he beat Goliath. Um, but every time that he messed up and, and did something really just dumb, you know, we find that David was... You know, if I can use this term, it's a little loose, but if I can use a term, we find that David seemed to be a, a kind of a master of repentance. He would always go back and repent. He would always go back with a heart after God and says, I, I need to fix this inside of me. And one of the core, I guess, um, identifiers for condemnation that I see is people who they're not repenting. And it's not because, you know, they don't want to do well. It's that they're so focused, like you said, they're so focused on their emotions, they're so focused on their carnality and their struggles and their trials, they're so focused on those things that that has become bigger than their God. It's become bigger than their salvation and bigger than their worship, bigger than their praise because they're so focused on that. And the more often we repent, the more often we really repent, you know, God will help identify what we're struggling with. He'll identify, okay, this needs to be fixed in our life and we can actually hear God because we're changing. And then while we hear God, the, the deeper we hear God, 
you know, the more sensitive and the more intimate he gets with us, we got to repent. You know what I mean? We, we got we to gotta go back to God and say, God, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. I messed up here. And even the things I don't know, I, I need you to help me with, you mm-hmm. know. And with condemnation, it's not that someone's not trying a lot of the time. It's the fact that they, they, they miss the spiritual aspect. Like you, like, you, you, like you mentioned there, they miss the word of God where it says, when you fall down, go to God. You know, yeah. when, you, when you're broken, go to God. When, you, when you're in need, go to God. When you, all these different things, every need we ever have, it's always the response is the same. Let me go to God. Let me pray. Let me go to the presence of God. Let me find some way to connect with my Savior so he can clean me up and he can give me that victory. Um, I got to make sure I'm, I'm going to God. Um, and I, I'm reminded of a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 17. It says, all things will become new um, when I've gone to God. But if I haven't gone to God, then we're just in the same mess. Yes. We're thinking the same things. We're feeling the same things. Uh, there's nothing new. And we'll wake up the same, the same we did yesterday, angry. <laughs> we'll wake up the same way we did yesterday, hurt and frustrated with our thing because we didn't lay it at the altar and, and let God burn it up. You know yes. what I mean? Um, so for those who are struggling with condemnation, I, I think, you know, Pastor Remus touched on a, a number of different tools and things that would really bless you and help you in your life. Uh, we're wrapping up today's episode, but I'd encourage you, uh, Brother Remus, he's mentioned the Word of God. He mentioned the Holy Ghost. He mentioned making sure that the vulnerable areas are, are, cut, are, are touched to make sure that each area in our life is filled with integrity and fortified with protection and strength. Um, any closing thoughts on condemnation that you would have? Don't keep it to yourself. That's a big one. Get help. Absolutely. Absolutely. Get help. Get help. You know, the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Amen. When we talk to somebody, when we're under submission, when we're under authority, they can help us. They can absolutely help us. So I, I thank you guys for tuning in today. Thank you, Pastor Rima, for being on with us and your time that you spent today. We hope that today has blessed you and we can't wait to see you guys next week, Saturday. Thanks for joining us at Sustaining Life Podcast today. We pray that this time has blessed you. Be sure to check the show notes. It will tell you how to contact us. Whether you want prayer or you want to share something inciting with us or you just want to connect, check it out. We'll love for you to follow us at Sustaining Life Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Join us throughout the week for more Sustaining Life.